So, good morning. <clears throat> good morning, everybody. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 4. We are uh, studying through the book of John. And, you know, it's interesting that I had, I taught through the book of John before. And I have all my notes for when I taught it before. And I just can't use them. You know, I, I'm just, to me, it's just, it's all new as I'm reading it, and it's just exciting, and it's just, I mean, you can never get tired of Jesus, and you know, it's just incredible. And uh, so I want to read um, verses 1 through 34, and then we'll get into another aspect of John chapter 4. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria, so that he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied, wearied from his journey, said, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That's about midday. A, wonder of Sam a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that it, Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. 
When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left the water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged them, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And I pray that you would take this time that we spent together thinking on it and, and, and pray that you will, like we talked about last week, that we will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And because of your great mercy, because of your great love, we will offer our lives a living sacrifice as the reasonable offering of worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What an amazing passage, my goodness. So, my grandmother, my great aunt, she was something else. She was quite a character. She, um, she was born in Malaga in a little white town called Casaragonela. And she, they went to Marbella. She left the town um, to Marbella and went to work there. And um, it was during the Civil War. And one of my, her brother, one of her brothers fled to Morocco because Franco was after him. And then... Uh, in order to punish him, they assassinated his brother, my my great uncle. Um, and because of that, the I mean the family was really impacted and my and my great grandmother got so sick she never walked again. Um, my great aunt, my great I call her my grandmother, but she married a Mallorquin guy that was doing the military and he um he brought her here to Mallorca. She was a tough woman. I, I think I've told you this before, but she had in the fifties she had a tattoo. Uh, James, right down your alley, you know. But then at one point she regretted having the tattoo, so she actually erased it with a rock by just rubbing it. I mean, tough cookie. Uh, her husband, uh, as far as I understand, her husband, when she came to Mallorca, would abuse her, beat her, uh, you know, just uh, uh, mistreat her verbally. And, um, and then she left him. So imagine that. She's got a tattoo. She erases the tattoo. She marries. She separates. This is in the 50s, 60s. I mean, this is like, this is big stuff, you know? And, uh, and then, this is kind of like an interesting aspect. This is kind of, but she became somebody's lover in the town where I lived in Capdepera. So I guess the husband could not have relations with the wife because she was quite ill. And so my grandmother became the lover of this guy. And um, 
she was single for the rest of her life. And she worked hard. I remember going, uh, waking up at 5 a.m. in the morning uh, from Capdepera. We would either walk or take a taxi to Calarajada. And there she would clean bars. And I would put four chairs together like this without the cushion and just lay on them and sleep until I smelled the smell of enseimadas from next door from the bakery. And then I would get my lacao and enseimada. And then I would go to the hotel and work with her where we had this big roller where you would iron everything the sheets, and I and she would give me the iron, um, the serviettes, you know, and, and, and I would fold them up. And I was seven, eight uh, years old. But um, I, I'm saying all this because uh, my grandmother had a very colorful life and she had a very difficult life. And uh, when I was reading through the story of the woman at the well, I couldn't help but to think of her. I mean, she's weary from going midday to draw water. Her love life has not necessarily gone like she thought it would. And, you know, I can't figure out. I mean, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that it, it doesn't give us more information about why she had five husbands. Was she difficult to deal with? Was she a difficult woman to deal with? You don't know. Was she longing for love and was abandoned five times? Was she dissatisfied and went from one man to another? Did she think maybe her true love would be found in another person every time? Did the men she ended up with despise her? Did the men lack commitment and abandon her? Was it her sin? Was it their sin? Was it just dysfunctionality? Whatever it was, you find yourself we find ourselves here with a woman, a thirsty woman, not just for water from a well. But Jesus reveals a deeper thirst in her heart. Man has tremendous longing. And thirst, physical thirst, is the craving of potable fluids. It is an essential mechanism involved in fluid balance. It arises from a lack of fluids in us. If the water volume of our body falls below a certain level, the brain detects the changes and singles and signals thirst. So a craving begins to happen within us is an intense, urgent, and abnormal desire and longing. So I don't know, um, funny enough, when we moved to the island, we, I moved, one of the, the main reason I moved to the island was because of this great-grandmother, this grandmother of mine. She had raised me and I wanted to be near and we lived in Arta, which was eight kilometers from Capdepera. And I remember one day in the middle of the day walking all the way to Capdepera to see her and then walking all the way back because we didn't have a car. And it was midday and I called Loretta and I said, Loretta, it's, it's when mobiles first came out, you know. And, but I said, Loretta, get some food and some water ready. I was dying. It's amazing when, when, when you get thirsty and you have no water around, 
just nothing will satisfy it. People can give you chocolate. No, 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 thank you. People could give you a steak. No, 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 I need water. And try as you may to satisfy what really what you need is liquid. People can give you gold. People can give you silver. People can give you clothing. People can give you whatever it is. But nothing will satisfy you except water. And our lives are spiritual lives also. There is a dissatisfaction inside of us. There's a craving that nothing in this world seems to satisfy. C.S. Lewis said this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most reasonable explanation is that we were made for another world. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Let me read that again. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most reasonable explanation is that we were made for another world. I was thinking of Solomon. The first book of the Bible I ever read was, Solomon, uh, was uh, Ecclesiastes. If you have a moment today, it's 12 chapters. You go through it very quickly. And uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, uh, 14 verses uh, 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 to 218, it, he gives an explanation of what he tried. He says, all my works, I attained greatness. I attained great wisdom. I, I sought pleasure. I sought happiness. Gratify my heart with wine build myself houses, planted vineyards, made gardens and orchards with fruit trees, made myself water pools to water the trees. I acquired male and female workers. I had great possessions of herds and that then all who were before me. I, ga I gathered myself silver and gold and special treasure. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men with instruments of all kinds. I became great and excelled more than all who were before me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. There's nothing that I saw or wanted that I withheld from myself. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. Then I looked on all the works and, I, and indeed, it was all vanity, a gasping after the wind. And then he begins to, through the chapter, just say, you know what, what's the point of gathering all this stuff? And then you have to leave it to a fool. And Solomon drank and drank and drank what didn't satisfy. You know, the, the Rolling Stones write this song, right? I can't get no satisfaction. And I try, and I try, and I try. Bono uh, wrote the song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And Jesus meets this woman at a well and deals 
with her. He, he meets this thirsty woman, this, this woman who is colorful, this woman who has lived, who has suffered, who obviously has a longing in her heart. And he presses through the prejudices. He draws out the pain and the sin. He makes her see the deeper need and he shows her God's desire in worship. Now, one thing that bugged me about this passage the whole time was that it says, now Jacob's well was there. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. I mean, Jacob's well, there's got to be something to this. It doesn't just say it was there and there's no connection to it. And I think, well, actually, in talking to Loretta about it, uh, she's my encyclopedia. But, but, but it's amazing how the Bible is just like this. It's just multi-layer. You have a woman, you have Jesus, you have this water. And this, but then you, you see that there's layer upon layer upon layer that Jesus is fulfilling here without even John realizing it. Jacob's well. What happened with Jacob? What is Jacob known for? He deceived his brother. Why did he deceive his brother? He deceived his brother because he wanted to be blessed by God. Esau, on the other hand, he cared about the food that he would get in that moment rather than the blessing of God. So he said to, um, to Esau, Esau was just like, yeah, just, just whatever, whatever. And then Loretta came up to me and she says, you know what, Ralph, listen to this. Listen to what the word blessing means. The word blessing in Hebrew means deep fulfillment, deep fulfillment. So Jacob, when he cries out, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He's crying out in his wrestling. I will not let you go until you fulfill. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And then he called that place Peniel because he saw the Lord face to face. And he realized what we also realize, that deep fulfillment, the blessing we are all looking for is found in the face of God. It is in Jesus my goodness, I found this fascinating. Because this woman is thirsty. And you know what? She knows she's got to go to that well every day. And she meets Jesus and she's got these, these superstitions. You worship on this mountain, we worship on that mountain. Um, very much like my grandmother. My grandmother, she, I just told her that side of her, well, she wouldn't babysit a child that was not baptized. You know, it, it was just like, there was this superstition there as well. But, but he meets her there and Jesus encounters her there 
tell us about this living water. And all of a sudden, this woman goes back into town and she says, oh my goodness, you've got to hear this. I just, this guy told me everything about me. She had met the Messiah. The circumstances had not changed, but she had changed. She was fulfilled. By just coming face to face with Jesus. Another thing that I found very interesting here is the fact that it was not just only Jacob's well, but it was a well. And you're like, well, well, the well has to do with water, right? No, 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 no. In the Old Testament, Abraham sent his servant to go find a wife for Isaac. Do you guys remember where the servant met the wife? At a well. Imagine that. Now, Jacob went to look for a wife. You remember where he met Rachel? At a well. And Moses, when he fled Egypt, he went away from Egypt. And there at a well, he met Jethro's daughter. Abraham's servant said, It shall come to pass that when the virgin comes out to draw water, and I say to her, Please give me a little water from your pitcher to drink. And she says to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed. Before I finish speaking, in my heart there was Rebekah. Please let me drink. And she made haste and let the pitcher down from her shoulder and said, Drink, you and your camels. I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. I mean, Abraham's servant is just, I mean, there she is, the bride of Isaac, the bride of, of the son. With Jacob, Genesis 29, verse 6, look, his daughter Rachel is coming with the sheep. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up and kissed her nicely. It was, it was not a... Just like a kiss on the cheek, you know? Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and he cried. He just cried. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only like a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. And in Exodus 2.15, when Moses heard of the matter, he sought to kill, when, sorry, when Pharaoh heard of the matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. And Jethro had seven daughters, and they came to draw water. And you're just like, oh my goodness, so how are you tying this together? You know what? The more I'm reading this, the more I realize in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, they're a unit. God speaks of, I mean, the sun comes down. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. It was grace upon grace. 
coming from him. And then remember that we're still on the first sign. He's telling us of seven signs. We're still on the first sign. What was the first sign? A wedding. Remember we talked about the intentions? The first intentions is he turns the water to wine, the cleansing, the water for cleansing. To the Pharisees, he says, you must be born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But here we're still at the wedding. And here all of us, I feel like what he's saying is, what the layers that are here is Jesus meets that woman. And it is a picture of Jesus coming for his bride. You and I. Jesus is gathering a people from all nations and gathering his bride. You see, the Bible speaks in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 33, that the husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us. In Revelation, it actually says, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. In Revelation 21, 9, it says, come, I will show you the bride that comes down from heaven. And, 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 and Jesus is the husband, the bridegroom of the church. And he is concerned. He is patient. He sees the possibilities. He is interested. He wants to show her off. He shields and guards. There's nothing that Jesus will not do for the church. His attitude isn't enough. He loved and he gave himself for her. He loved her as his own body. He cherishes and nourishes. And I thought, oh my goodness. This is amazing. You have Jacob saying, bless me which is a, a, a picture of, of, of the deep fulfillment that God wants to bring in us. And then you have Jesus meeting this woman at the well, which is also a picture of, of um, the groom getting his bride. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for me? What should it produce in us? In Psalm 42, the sons of Korah wrote these words. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Psalm 63, which we read today. David says, God, you are my God. Early I seek you. My soul thirst for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. 
So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. I'm thirsty. You are thirsty. There's no doubt about that. You are thirsty. How are we fulfilling? How are we satisfying? How are we um, quenching that thirst that we have inside of us? The writer, the psalmist, they're, they're quite clear. They've identified it. The deep longing that nothing in this world will satisfy, it's because we were made for another world. It's because we were made for another greater love. The psalmist says, I thirst for you. I have a friend, an acquaintance, but more than a friend, but we know each other. He won. His dream was to win the Hawaii pipeline. That is a curled wave. That, and, and, and the guy was in the 80s. He, he actually lived in the Virginia, but he, uh, he's from California, Joey Baran. And, and, he, and he was just so excited. And, and, and his, whole, his whole teenage life, just working towards just winning this thing, thirsty, satisfying it with, with the adrenaline, with the work, with, with, with just achieving this thing. And he gets to Hawaii, man, and he gets his trophy. I mean, he wins. And the people are there. And he's just like, what he's been working for, he gets. And it's, he says that immediately, as they were about to celebrate, it started to pour down rain. And everybody just ran away. And he found himself alone, wet, and with his trophy. And sometimes these, even if, it, you know, Whatever it is that we can achieve, whatever, is it shopping? Is it identity? Is it, is it uh, um, you know, what is it? What, how are you trying to satisfy that, that thirst in your soul? Because if it's anything or anyone other than Jesus, you will not be deeply fulfilled. It's just not going to happen. Now, you're probably, I hope you're not thinking, but maybe thinking, oh my goodness, so that means we only follow Jesus and, 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 and so, I mean, because at the end of the day, your children will not fulfill you, your, your husband will not fulfill you, your wife will not fulfill you, the house will not fulfill you, the, the achievements will not fulfill you, the money will not fulfill you, so does that mean that we can't enjoy any of those things? No, 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 no. The Bible says that God has given us all things richly to enjoy. But there's a big difference between ha having things and being thankful for the things that we have and worshiping the things that we have. And see, I, I, I don't find, I, I find it quite interesting here 
as I'm talking about Jesus as the groom and, and the bride, I find it quite interesting that this woman had many lovers, many husbands. And I wonder, not only was, was maybe she not loved like she should, but I also wonder if she, no one was ever enough. I don't know about you guys, but my goodness, when I married Loretta, I remember Richmond, London, register's office. I signed and I thought, what in the world have I just done? And that which I had idealized of, she's going to come, she's going to love me. All of a sudden, we are arguing and fighting like nobody's business. I mean, like nobody's business. I remember uh, we got on the, t I'm, I can't let go. So Loretta's like, I'm out of here. I'm going with you, you know? And, uh, and we got on the train and she grabbed a bag full of coins and she just threw them across the whole train. And it just, I went, whoo, bam, and it hit the back. And I was like, oh my goodness. But at one point I thought, at one point I thought to myself, this doesn't satisfy. This is not very fulfilling right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just not very fulfilling. We adopted Jonathan. At, you know, he's not here, right? So I thought, I thought we adopt Jonathan. He comes to the house and he says, Daddy, I love you. He flipped me off. That's the first thing he did to me, flip me off. Then I went to, Jeru I went to Israel because we had a tour we were doing there and he stayed with Loretta and Loretta calls me and says, Raf, he just told me he doesn't like this house. He doesn't like this, uh, uh, this dog. He doesn't like this family. He doesn't like me. And to call the social services and tell him he wants another family. It's funny now. Yeah. I wanted to tell her, send them. But things have to be in the right place. You see, there was, there was a, I have a friend, Rob Digman, whose daughter was just a mess. I mean, sorry, not daughter, uh, uh, sister. And the mom was kept loving on her and kept being there for her. And Rob says, what are you doing? And she says, I know where to get more love. She doesn't. And the thing is that nothing, no one person and no thing is going to deeply fulfill you except Jesus. Anyway, going back to the woman, I think that Jesus comes to this woman as a picture of Jesus, the groom coming for the bride, because ultimately the love that we are looking for will only be found in Jesus. In Romans 5, it says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And then he says this, and the love of God has been shed into our hearts. The love of God has been shed into our hearts. That is true blessing.
no matter what your circumstance is today, no matter how many marriages you've had, no matter how many things you've had or lost, whatever it is, the only thing that matters is that you are blessed by God, that you are deeply fulfilled by Him. We had a lady that used to come to this church and uh, from Northern Ireland and a uh, millionaire. And um, she got diagnosed with cancer. It, she, she fought cancer for five years. And at one point she said, Raphael, I would love for you to do my funeral. And then afterwards she says, you know what? Rather than do my funeral, I'd rather see you while I'm still alive. Will you fly over? And so Loretta and I took a plane and we flew to Northern Ireland. We went to see her and um, it, it was amazing. I mean, she was half the person she was before. She would not take medication just so she could be lucid to share the gospel with a hairdresser, with her friends, with everybody that would come through. She just wanted to be lucid. She just wanted to be clear. And at one point I, I just made a bit of a joke about something and she cut me off. And then she said this, Raphael, and, and Loretta was there and her husband was there. She says, God has blessed us materially over the years. But in this bed, the only thing that matters is to know the love of God. So when we are asking, Lord, bless my life, are we asking for more stuff? Are we asking for more problems? Or are we asking to be deeply fulfilled in the face of God? A fountain of living water. And I just want to say, just for practical, what can we do practically towards this? Number one is to have an encounter with Jesus. You can be as close to Jesus as you like. We just got to make time. We got to take steps. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We have to make decisions that are conducive. And it's hard, isn't it? We get obsessed with stuff. Don't you get obsessed with stuff? I'm going to confess something to you guys right now. I, and and the, the little, the young ones are going to be like, what? I'm completely obsessed with FIFA 23 right now. I'm like, I'm like, Jonathan, you want to play with me? But really, I want to play myself. <laughs> you know, I'm just completely consumed. I think it's the greatest game in the world, you know? But, but I never walk away from that game thinking, oh, deeply fulfilled. And I saw <laughs> Never, not once, have I walked away from it deeply fulfilled. You can get, I don't know, you can go on a trip. I, I, I was really looking forward to Austria, and, and it's amazing to go to Austria but, and, and eat some German food, but you're done with the German food, and you're like, I'm not deeply fulfilled. <laughs> well, uh, we were in Munich. We, we, we went to, we landed in Munich and went to Austria afterwards. But, 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 but think about it. All I'm trying to say is we, we need to make decisions. Where are the priorities of what we want to do? 
We want to be closer to God. We want to grow. We want to, to get grounded. Well, what kind of decisions are we making with our time? Worship. Spending time in the Word. Spending time with friends that we can say, hey, why don't we get together and maybe just invest in nothing wrong. Where, where's um, Natalie? Where's Natalie? She's not here? Okay, so with the Pilates. Oh, there, there you are. With the Pilates. I think it's amazing. Bodily exercise, you know. Natalie, I mean, my goodness, Natalie's strong. She is fit. I want to get that way, you know. But, but we make time for that. We make time for exercise. What are we doing for our souls? And to say to our friends, to two or three friends, hey, let's get together. Let's read together. Let's pray together. To make time alone. To sow. I, I watched a reel. I'm finishing. I, I watched a reel this morning, I think it was. And, it's, and, it, and it took a banana. And it took a rose. And it stuck the rose in the banana. Cut the rose off. And then roses grew. And then it says, and then it said, um, and then you can uh, take these beans and you put them in, in earth and then you can enjoy potatoes. And, and it took, I had to watch it three times. I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't square off. It, as it kept moving on, the seeds were different than what they were reaping. It's not like that in life. You're going to reap what you sow. We are going to reap what we sow. And this is not a hammering down. This is a, a loving God loves us. Whatever we sow into, we're going to reap. Rebecca, when the servant came and met, them at, and met her at the well, which is a picture of Abraham the father, Isaac the son, and the servant being the Holy Spirit. And Rebecca being the church. It says that when the servant went, says, please, he decorated her with gifts and says, she needs to come with me. Isaac cannot come too. And she, it says she left everything. She left everything. That was a decision. A decision to walk close to Jesus. To be connected to Jesus. Are you thirsty? Do you have a colorful life like my grandmother? I often think of my grandmother and I got to lead her to the Lord when she was 83 years old. You see a, a, a thirst and she tried to satisfy with all these things. But then in comes Jesus, and he is the fountain where you can always be deeply fulfilled in him. I know. It's been true. I know. I know. And you know, it's hard. We tend to go towards other things, don't we? 
So I don't want us to be condemned. I want us to realize we tend to go drink everywhere else. But I think to realize that deep fulfillment is in him will cause us to restructure our life. You don't have to do 10 hours a day with Jesus. But my goodness, half an hour in the morning with Jesus might just be the beginning of deep fulfillment. Deep blessing with them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this, this, this well that, that tells us of Jacob's wrestling. Lord, I will not bless me. I will not depart until you bless me. And then he saw you face to face. And this well where these encounters happen, these loving encounters, these women finding their husbands, a husband like Jacob that loved her and was willing to wait for her. And Lord, here this woman met you, Jesus, who loves us. You love us infinitely more than anyone on earth. And it is that love that truly fulfills us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, even if it means which you did with this woman, you drew out her sin, you drew out her pain. You were not drawing out so wisely the sin and the pain to condemn. You were drawing it out to heal, to bless, to restore, to transform, to fill a life with a living hope. And help us always realize, Lord, that no matter what it is that you do in our life is and must be for our own good. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And if there's people here where we just need revelation as we go through your word, it's not just intellectual stuff. It's, there's also a revelation that comes to us where we begin to re sense and, and see. I pray, Father, that you would give generously. I pray that today will be a day of encounter with you. A day of the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. A day of, I have seen the Lord face to face. No matter how colorful my life has been. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.